It's time for episode 447 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a tech podcast that's four topics and 20 minutes. Nope, that's not right. Uh, my name is Dan Warren, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy. It's Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm doing well, although I was, I'll admit, confused there for a second, and then I remembered today's date, and now I am on the same page. I don't know what page that is. Yeah, it's page 420. I don't know what's on that page. It's blank. Please turn in your books <laughs> to chapter four, subsection 20. Let us begin. And let us begin with uh, the podcast that invites on two fantastic guests to talk about these tech topics. To my left this week, it's the editor-in-chief at No Jitter and Workspace Connect, and the co-chair of the Enterprise Connect Conference. It's everybody's favorite. It's Lisa Schmeiser. Welcome back, Lisa. I'm so glad to be back. I love this podcast and I love being on it. <laughs> we love to have you. We do. You know who else we love to have on the show? Uh, someone who makes all of our jobs possible it is the co-founder of Rogue Amoeba. It's Paul Kafasis. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you. I, I, Lisa's everybody's favorite, just literally just everybody's favorite. So I'm below that, clearly. Uh, I don't know where I rank, but it's, it's at least second best. Many or people's favorite. How about that? There you go. Yeah. I like it. Uh, all right. I'm going to kick things off with my topic. I want to know, what is your charging situation these days? Are you all in on MagSafe and Qi charging? Have you made the jump to USB-C? Is your home littered with a grisly assortment of cables of a variety of USB connectors? Are any devices holding you back from improving where your charging is going? Lisa, tell me about how you power up all your, your tech. Grizzly co collection of cables. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's awful. And the thing that's holding us back, we have an assortment of Apple devices because both my husband and I are firmly entrenched in the Apple ecosystem. Um my daughter has my old MacBook Air, which has a different charging cable than my MacBook Air. And on top of that, she's got the Amazon Kindle, which has a different charging cable than my iPad does. And then I also have my, you know, little power bricks that I, I carry around for portable charging. And they have different charging cables than the cables that they use to boost my phone when I'm out and about. So at this point, it's a couple boxes of cables, a P-touch labeler, so I know which cable belongs to what, and just a seething ball of rage. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, free. And how do you charge that P-touch labeler? <laughs> batteries. Lots oh. of batteries. <laughs> Amazon Prime subscription, 48 batteries, and, and frequent tape recharge. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, my my charging situation, it's mostly uh, MagSafe charging. I've got uh, this, it was too expensive, but I bought it for some reason, uh, a Belkin MagSafe charger that sits on my side table that uh, has a charging puck for my phone, um, a spot for my watch, and then below is just a standard charger that you can use for any kind of wireless charging device like the um, AirPods Pro case if you have the the chargeable one um i have USB-C everything as much as possible so any any other things that need to be charged i that are able to be charged with USB-C, that is exactly how i do it um 
and outside of that, I have some uh, some methods to charge kind of in the old way, as it were. Uh, but those cables are relegated to a drawer and only come out in the rare occasion uh, that I need them to. As far as holding me back, I would say um, there aren't any that are holding me back because for some reason, I'm always up to date when it comes to charging. Uh, those are some of the first devices that I end up buying uh, whenever I want to new gear. What about you, Paul? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'd like to share my recipe for making this not so terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's all terrible. It's it's, it's not great. There's, Son of a. Uh, I I do I do I have I have what I think of as like charging stations. So like my desk has I'm looking at a Qi charger, a lightning cable, and a watch charger uh, by my bedside. I've got uh, as as Micah said an overpriced multi device thing that I can do my phone, watch, and and uh, AirPods on. And then in the living room, I've got a USB-C for my computers and a lightning cable for my phone. So I have I have cables that are permanently in place that uh, can handle most of my devices. But to me, the thing that's holding me back, that's that's the interesting part of this, is actually the iPhone and the AirPods case. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of wireless charging, but in terms of fast charging and and reliable charging, uh, having a lightning port is the thing that is most problematic for me. I've got USB-C on my computer. I've got USB-C on uh, a newer iPad, uh, but my phone has a a port that is almost exactly the same size as USB. And my AirPods case has a port that is almost exactly the same size as USB, but it doesn't charge via uh, USB-C. So that's, that's to me is the one that uh, this, you know, people have been talking about this for years at this point that Apple should drop lightning and and just use USB-C. But uh, I'm, I would be very much on board if they did that. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth because I recently updated to an iPad Pro, a recent version. I had an older model that had Lightning, and having USB-C on that has proved to be amazing just because, you know, I've got my MacBook Air, which also charges via USB-C. My wife's laptop, which is like a Lenovo, also has USB-C. So in like a pinch, like we can use that charger for any of those devices. And I do charge my iPhone via like a MagSafe charging station at night. But I agree with you, Paul. I'm frustrated by the lightning there. And I will add to that my my Mac, my iMac's Magic Keyboard and Magic Trackpad, which also use lightning, oh, right. uh, which is also annoying because it's like, so I have a lightning, like you, I have a lightning cord just sort of on my desk at all times in case I need to plug something in. But I would love to be able to replace that with like USB-C to charge anything. The only other thing that's really holding me back is actually my e-readers i have two i have a, a yeah. kindle paperwhite and the newest version of that which my wife has does have USB-C, but my version is still a micro usb version as is my kobo uh, libra which i have both of those on my, my nightstand so i have to have like a, a micro usb cable plugged into a usb brick there as well and then for charging i'm still using mostly cables because i don't want to charge with like a stand i have been super tempted to buy apple's like super overpriced travel charger because like i love the idea it's just ridiculously overpriced i would love to only have like one cable though as opposed to the grizzly massive cables i bring with me whenever i go anywhere but thank you all for your your sympathies in this dire time as we all suffer through this together <laughs> uh let's go to our second topic which comes from lisa okay it's a little bit close to the day job but what the heck um when we talk about collaborative workspaces, it's usually around Slack or Zoom or Teams. And what I wanted to know is, do you have a place that feels the most like home? Do you love living on Slack all day? Do you prefer chatting on Zoom? Um, are you like, oh, my God, I love Teams? Do you have a favorite? And 
if you do, why is it your favorite? A very good question. I have um, never used Teams professionally. I uh, At one point when I had first heard about Teams, um, I was co-hosting on Windows Weekly and uh, Paul Therott and Mary Jo Foley had mentioned Teams and th- I thought, oh, I'm going to get that and just uh, invite <laughs> some strangers into it, which is what I did by putting out a Twitter call for people to join my Teams. Mm-hmm. Um I I didn't like it. But uh, Slack, I will say, it's not that I love being there all day, but it is the place I'm most familiar, uh, where, where I feel most familiar with everything and that I do get work done, uh, but also hang out with friends in a, a, a digital place. So for me, it is definitely uh, Slack as the collaborative workspace. But I have a feeling that some folks would say, Discord was their favorite um, sort of collaborative space, because I know people do get um, non-jobby job work done there. Uh, Paul, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, Slack for for me, for us, for my company. We've been on Slack for, God, like seven years. And prior to that, we were on IRC, which... Some wow. listeners will never have heard of, and some <laughs> listeners will will nerd out on uh, internet relay chat, basically just text chat. And Slack is uh, IRC, but done way better and done professionally. And and for the company, we pay for it. Um, got a half dozen different Slacks where I talk to various friends, various groups of friends, uh, people that I do trivia with. Dan, you're in in that Slack, I think. Yep. And uh, it's it's a really nice space to. Uh, you know, be able to toggle between I, I'm doing work there, obviously, and then I can pop over and, and at lunch chat with some friends or something like that. So uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Slack. Uh, I, I think it's uh, despite the fact that it's now owned by Salesforce uh, mm-hmm. that they have they have yet to to muck it up. Uh, and I'm a big fan of text chat over, uh, you mentioned zoom, you mentioned, uh, teams and Slack both have video chat, but zoom is obviously focused on video chat and audio chat. Uh, and for us, for our company, we've always done text chat because 20 years ago it was really the only option. And so that's sort of how we evolved. And I've, I, I've, I still enjoy it and I don't really need the, the distraction of audio or video. So Slack for me. I miss AOL Instant Messenger. No, I don't. It was pretty bad. Um, I I like Paul. I think Slack is basically the place. And I, and I think, Lisa, what it comes down to for me is like, that's where the people I want to talk to are. Kind of like what both Paul and Michael were saying, I think, to a, to a large degree is like, it's less about the tools for me than it is about the, the people who are I'm collaborating with. And I'm sure there are like, good tools that can make collaborating better even when maybe you're not working with people that you're as close to and i'm sure there are bad tools that can you know impinge your relationships with people that you like um but so far it seems to me like slack does a nice job of um creating a community and fostering a sense of that even though it does seem to be largely business focused it has become so omnipresent that even um you know social groups like paul was saying use a lot i have one that's just like for like writers that i uh know um there's one with like some of my friends longtime friends that for like sort of came up around video gaming stuff but is now just sort of a social place to hang out um and then ones for a lot of our podcasting communities as well uh and so you know stuff like zoom like paul said has its place when you're doing something like a podcast as we're doing now um but it's not a place that i'm gonna hang out all day and it's really very you know when it comes to collaboration it's focused collaboration we're here to record a podcast for this task not to have a meeting or something like that so yeah i think i think it's it's slack for me lisa why don't you wrap us up here 
I was going to say, Dan, you make a great distinction. And um, I realized as this question came flying out of my mouth that <laughs> you can have more than one favorite child because, like you said, um, Slack is where the people I like hang out. So I have it open on my desktop all day. And um, I strongly associate Zoom with be here at a specific place mm-hmm. for a specific set of social interactions or a specific set of workplace interactions. Um, I'm going to stand for Teams a little bit. We use it in the day job. And it's generally been great, both for holding video meetings. So there's a little bit of that whole zoom thing going on. And um, I have a number of running chats with different groups of colleagues, um, both colleagues I like, and then colleagues I I manage, and colleagues who manage me. (laughs) And um, it's been what's been really interesting about teams is we've also used it kind of as a substitute for the desktop, because you can launch your spreadsheets from within there, you can um, manage your Outlook calendar from within there, you can edit things as a group. So you can open a document and edit and do that. And to me, that's been the most interesting thing is how um, this really nerdy workplace tool (laughs) has kind of picked up um, some of the best features from the other ones. So I don't have a favorite. They're all my favorite. I'm like a, I'm, I'm like a mom. I love you all equally. <laughs> all right. That's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Electric. When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop lost in the mail for a new hire or dealing with some other technical emergency which are well-equipped to deal with, but maybe you don't have the time. The team over at Electric No Small Businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses or setting up employee laptops and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Uh, for me, as somebody who runs a small business that's just me, I don't always need an IT department, but I can imagine there are lots of folks who run smaller businesses that have a handful of people. Like I don't have anybody to manage, but like if you've got a small team, maybe four or 12 or 50 people even, I can imagine dealing with all the IT parts of that on top of your normal job and all the stuff that you actually want to be doing uh, has got to be a huge advantage. For Clockwise listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash clockwise. That's electric.ai slash clockwise. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. All right, halftime is over. Micah, what have you got for us? A simple question for you. I'm just curious how you protect your digital privacy. Do you, if you have iOS, ask apps not to track? Do you regularly use VPNs? Do you use sort of burner accounts? What are the ways in which you protect your privacy online or don't protect your privacy online? Paul, we'll start with you. I don't use Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I mean, that's, that's, that's a joke and it's half a joke. I'm, I'm on Instagram, so I'm probably screwed anyway. But I think the the broader answer is just being circumspect in what I do use uh, and sort of defaulting to not using things or not trusting things, uh, which is a super fun way to think about technology, especially for those of us who uh, I think probably everybody on this podcast uh, used technology 10, 20, even 30 years ago. And you didn't have to have that mindset. But I think nowadays it's it's pretty important to think somewhat about any interaction you have with technology and, and, you know, what data you're giving it and what you're allowing it to do. So yeah, using things like not allowing apps to track because I don't see any benefit to that for me 
and uh, using things like one password where I'm using unique passwords every every site and every account. And uh, again, just being just being cautious about everything. Yeah, I think in terms of privacy, it's an interesting question, right? Because I think Paul's right that like services like Facebook, which have an interest in tracking you and serving up ads and, and want to learn as much as possible about you, um, you can do uh, oftentimes provide they they provide controls. Um, Apple obviously providing more measures to try and help you avoid that on the app side, um, and, but you're you sort of still have mixed results at times because these companies have gotten very good at building these profiles of information about us. So. I, it's tough because I, on the one hand, I do like to look through privacy settings when I sign up for a site, if it's like a social network or something like that and turn off stuff that I don't want, uh, or regularly go through, like if you go to Twitter or Facebook and you have apps that like ask for access to your accounts, I regularly, you know, remove things that I maybe used once. It was like, Oh, I'm curious about this, but I I don't let it continue to have access. So I kind of audit those on a regular basis. I don't tend to use a VPN that much unless I'm at like public Wi-Fi and it's more, more of a security than a privacy thing. I think if I can distinguish that, um, uh, because I, I know there are extremes to which you can take it. You can use anonymized browsers and all that stuff. And, and I understand and respect people who make those decisions. I think for me at the end of the day, it ends up being like more of an inconvenience than anything that is really going to, uh, affect me in terms of like just overall privacy, but it is definitely something that we have become very inured to, which is also not a great state of affairs right now. Lisa, what about you? <laughs> well, there's the saying data is the new oil. I'm trying to remember who the person who said that was. Oh, Clive Humby. And what he meant when he said it was you can make a lot of money off of data if you're able to chop it up and analyze it correctly. And when I heard that, I was like, why am I the oil well? and not the oil baron. I protect my, I guess you could say um, the best way to manage your data privacy is just try not to generate a trail of usable data. (laughs) Um, You know, you uh, ask apps not to track, don't use services that have a huge, that that have a huge profile for data footprinting. Um, If you do have to opt into them, you check to see how much control you have over your data. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to look at the Google ad settings for me and see how imprecise and wildly inaccurate they are. <laughs> um, but, that means it's working. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly it. Like I just checked and according to the most recent profile they have for me, I'm a single person from Guatemala in the military. Um, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. If I know anything yes. about you, Lisa, that's those are the three things I would have guessed right off the top of my head. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, the biggest rule I have is um, the only way to win the game is not to play oh. or to, if you have to like, just, okay, what is in it for me? Um, how am I, ma- how am I saving money off of this? If I can't make money by selling you my data directly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, all very interesting answers. I personally use, uh, use ad tracking blockers as much as possible, whether they be the built in blockers or uh, on my home network using an application called Next DNS. I guess you should call it a service called Next DNS, which essentially helps you to uh, block trackers and add stuff at the router level. Um, I use uh, iOS has iOS and iPad OS and I guess now Mac OS have some built in tools as well um, between iCloud private relay and also uh, just if you are on public networks at any time um, being able to 
randomly change your MAC address for that device so that uh, someone's not able to track your MAC address doing different things on the network. Um, I also will use uh, a VPN some somewhat regularly. Uh, it kind of depends on what sites I'm going to. Uh, I like to use it before I place an order with Instacart and before I make an Amazon purchase. Um, because I before I had sort of ramped things up even more, I started to notice that after ordering something from Instacart, um, Amazon would start showing me uh, ads for things that I had just ordered from Instacart. So it was clear that those two were talking to one another. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to see kind of how everybody thinks about their their digital privacy. And I appreciate your responses there. Let's go to our final show topic, which comes from Paul. Well, this is way less critical to life. But uh, so let, let's just let's just end with a silly one or, or a, a less less serious one. Anyway, uh, Apple TV Plus, are you subscribed? And if so, what are you enjoying on the service? I am subscribed and I'm enjoying a number of shows. I mean, obviously, Ted Lasso um, uh, for all mankind is just a fantastic show. And I'm really looking forward to the third season of that coming up later this year. Uh, more recently, I uh, got into Mythic Quest. I enjoyed the first two seasons of that quite a bit. I'm glad that's coming back. Uh, and then I've watched uh, a whole bunch of Slow Horses, uh, which I had read the first couple books for before, when I heard Apple was buying this series, and I'm a sucker for spy thrillers, so that was right up my alley. Really, really like that a lot. And of course, everybody's talking about Severance, which we're about halfway through watching right now, maybe two-thirds, uh, and is really great. Just a fantastic piece of television. So there is a lot on Apple TV+. Plus. It went from being like, oh, there's a few different shows, and maybe some of them are good. And then I feel like post-Head Lasso, there's just been several several shows that are really kind of knocking it out of the park not everything's a winner i watched uh what was it called suspicion which was like a british like spy ish thriller it was very bad so i don't <laughs> i don't recommend that but there are plenty of things to love there uh, lisa how about you um we are currently not subscribed because we we try to keep the number of services we're subscribed to down to the fingers of one hand. Um, we will, however, resubscribe when the new season of Ted Lasso begins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's predictable. Um, that said, I also have to stand for Dickinson, which I enjoyed, mm. and Schmigadoon. So, oh, yeah, Schmigadoon was good. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why we're not talking more about Schmigadoon. It was a delight. Um, so those are the ones that I really enjoyed on um, the Apple service. I look forward to getting back on and watching Mythic Quest, because um, that's just one I didn't have time to, to before. Severance, of course. And um, I want to see Foundation. I, I just I, I want to see it. I want to see how... I, I want to see if it matches up to the experience of reading it in my head and chew on it a little bit. <laughs> Fair enough. I, uh, I subscribed to the Amazon Prime for Apple. The name escapes me at the moment, but uh, the one that gives you access to all of the different uh, Apple Arcade and, and Apple TV Plus, etc. So in that way, I am subscribed. And yes, Severance was uh, quickly climbed to the top of my list. Um, I really liked season one of Ted Lasso. And then uh, season two came around. And I'm not obviously, if anyone hasn't seen it, I won't say but basically something happened within like the first five minutes of the first episode of season two that completely put me off the show and so i'm not really into ted lasso um but yes definitely severance uh has has piqued my interest and believe it or not i am one of it seems few people who 
really likes uh, or I guess is invested in the M. Night uh, Shyamalan uh, series on Apple TV Plus, which is called Servant. Um, a really cerebral, strange show, as you might imagine if we're talking about M. Night. But um, I continue to watch that and go, what the heck is going on? Uh, and it delights me in my unknowingness. Uh, Paul, why don't you round us out here? Sure. Yeah. So so like Lisa, for me, uh, it was Ted Lasso Plus instead of Apple TV Plus. Uh, and, and I really, so she had a couple other shows that she enjoyed. I really didn't find anything else that I liked. And so after Ted Lasso season two ended, I said, you know what, this is only five bucks a month. It's ridiculous to worry too much about that, but it's so easy to cancel and it's so easy to resubscribe that I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put this on pause for now and, and probably come back when Ted Lasso season three comes back. Uh, I I'm interested that nobody mentioned a single movie. Uh, cause part of the reason that I canceled was that I saw not one, but two boring Tom Hanks movies, <laughs> uh, Greyhound and Finch, I, I think Finch. was the other one. It was okay. Both, it wasn't great. It was mediocre, right? It was, yeah, it was fine it was. and it was not any good. Uh, and, that, you know, obviously Tom Hanks is a A-list movie star and, and Apple splashed out tens of millions of dollars for both those movies, I'm sure. Uh, and they just weren't very good. And I, I had seen uh, there was one called like The Bank Job uh, with Samuel L. Jackson. And, uh, mm. and that had like a, an interesting backstory and the movie wasn't that, that good. Uh, so it's interesting because they, Apple won an Oscar for Best Picture yeah. with Coda. Uh, and I had canceled, so I have not yet seen that. I've got it on a little list that says, eh, eventually maybe I'll resubscribe and I'll check that out. Uh, but it's, it's interesting that they're doing, it sounds like they're doing better with TV shows, uh, but they've had all these big name movies or big name actors in movies. And uh, besides Coda, I don't think any of them have, have really grabbed anyone's interest too well. So it's, it's interesting to me how this service has evolved from uh, when they pitched it as uh, I don't know. It almost felt like trying to make HBO again, where they've got just a few big name shows and now they're they've got a ton of content. And, and as Dan noted, there's there's more and more that is at least uh, seeming to catch people's eye. And then obviously the big thing in the past couple of weeks is Friday Night Baseball, mm -hmm. uh, which right now is free. So I don't need to worry about it. And uh, if if and when the Red Sox are on. Friday Night Baseball, and it costs money, I can sign up for five bucks for that month and decide if I want to cancel it again or keep it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's where I am with it. There you go. All right, we have reached the end of our fourth topic, and we've got a bonus topic coming up. But before we get there, I want to tell you that this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Here's an unsettling fact for you. 70% of cyber attacks are targeted at small to mid-sized business. You might be wondering how serious a cyber attack even is. Well, about half of the businesses become unprofitable within a month of being breached. Cyber criminals know smaller businesses may not have the resources to defend themselves from ransomware and malware. This makes smaller companies an easy target, and the ransoms collected can add up quickly. If you want to better protect your business, CrowdStrike has a solution for you. Falcon Pro by CrowdStrike is the cybersecurity solution your small business needs. It provides superior prevention from cyber attacks, detects malicious activity, and offers immediate response capabilities for your business. And it's all fully deployed in just minutes to protect your organization. Falcon Pro provides features like antivirus protection, firewall management, device control, and integrated threat intelligence all in one cloud-based solution. With Falcon Pro, your systems are protected against all cyber threats, not just malware, even when devices aren't connected to the internet. And you can say goodbye to sluggish antivirus scans and inconvenient reboots that delay your team's productivity. 
Rated 4.9 out of 5 by Gartner Pure Insights, CrowdStrike is the cybersecurity your team needs. Head to CrowdStrike.com slash clockwise to start a free 15-day trial. That's CrowdStrike.com slash clockwise for a free 15-day trial of CrowdStrike Falcon Pro. Our thanks to CrowdStrike for their support of this show. All right, quick bonus topic for you. What is your go-to snack food, Lisa? Popcorn. Good choice. Mine is the, it's called Catalina Crunch. Uh, it's a, a snack mix that I really like. Um, pecans, I like uh, cashews and uh, pretzels. And it has all of those things along with this uh, delicious cereal called the Catalina Crunch is actually, that's what it's, what it's named for. Uh, what about you? Well, uh, yours was real fussy, and and I made I made a fussy choice. I, I like British salt and vinegar chips that I have to get like shipped over, uh, and oh, I get like little bags of them, and uh, I have one a day after I've gone for a run, and and that's like my little treat after I finish. Wow, uh, I mean, actually, at least on this one, I discovered recently Whole Foods has a popcorn uh, that has uh, olive oil instead of butter on it, and it's really good, and it's not you know not terribly bad for you. So that's kind of a win on my book. Treat yourself and make it with coconut oil. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, and just sprinkle some sea salt on the top. It's amazing. Oh. All right. I'll, I'll have to try that. <laughs> hey, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise, and you can sign up for just $5 a month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we are going to discuss printers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have reached the end of the show, and all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Lisa Schmeiser. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for having me. And Paul Kafasis, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, great to be here. And Micah, we'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>